0: hello people welcome to the community of the growth mindset podcast guys if you are a first-time listener don't forget to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening from so that you don't miss on more interesting episodes coming up in following weeks and for our daily listeners here we are again with a new episode where we will interview another interesting personality from a unique industry and understand how they were able to accomplish this great level of success remember This is a podcast where we learn easy, practical methods and tips that we can implement in our daily lives from the very best and the most successful people known today. Because as we all know, success leaves clues. And we the people having the growth mindset will use these clues to create a better, more fulfilling and a successful life. So let the growth begin. Now, uh, I just want to go back to you now, right? Uh, you've also uh, been on TED, TEDx and three times a Latin dancer, like a champion. Like, yes. where, did, where did this inspiration come from?
1: The, for, the, uh, for the dancing?
0: Yeah, I saw your, I saw your video on, on, on TED. It was amazing. That's why I just want to understand. Thank you. I just want to understand why,
1: how. (laughs) It's a funny story. Mm -hmm. So I had actually just spent. So I was nineteen. I'd spent a year overseas volunteering at the Bahá'í World Centre in Israel. Okay. And then when I returned, I didn't really know what my place was. I was at university. I was studying psychology and law, and I, I just, I was a little bit depressed. I would say. Mm -hmm. My brother and now sister-in-law were learning how to dance salsa in preparation for their wedding and they said why don't you just come along with us you know you've spent too long moping at home just come so I went along with them and I was hooked from that first (laughs) lesson I was absolutely hooked now I'm one of those people that get a little bit impatient when I find something I love Mm -hmm. so instead of just doing a beginner class and then moving on to the next class and then the next I did beginner intermediate and advanced all at once at the same time now I used to dance as a a child my mom put me into ballet and jazz so Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I was a complete beginner, yeah. but I was learning the style completely from scratch. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it was wonderful because it gave me a sense of purpose. While I was studying, and I did a lot of t- uh, volunteering at the time as well, it gave me a creative outlet. And I think it's so important to have creative outlets involving music, creativity, art, movement, you know, what, whatever that is. It just uses a different part of the brain. And then what I discovered is that while I was dancing, I loved the idea of having a goal, which would be a performance or a competition. So just on the topic of dance, I know I was never the best technically. Mm-hmm. I was never the best in terms of training because I didn't start when I was three years old. I yeah. was never the most flexible. And had I just focused on everything that I wasn't good at, I never would have continued.
0: Makes but sense. what I
1: did is I focused on a goal, which was let's you know let's perform, let's compete. And I also focused on strengths. What are we really good at? And I was fortunate to have a dance partner who believed in the same thing. How can we focus on our strengths, leverage our strengths and create something fun and exciting? And we did that. And by doing that, we were able to win, win three titles. Exactly. So the lesson that, from that was that I learned and I apply now everywhere else is, you know, you can spend all your time focused on your weaknesses, what you're not good at, what you need to develop on, but actually you're not going to feel empowered or motivated to continue because after a while, you're not getting the dopamine hit that you get when you're focused on strengths. But yep. if you focus on what you're naturally good at, what you love, continue to work on that. You can actually create some exciting, amazing things. Great.
0: No, I'm, I'm to- I totally agree with your point of view, basically, that, you know, uh, I, I do know that because I'm a man, all right? So I understand that we as men are more prone. We concentrate more on our strengths and we kind of push our weaknesses behind because we work more on the strengths part, looking how we can become better at what we are. Right, which actually makes us expert in that specific field, right? So women, if also they they also concentrate on the same part, obviously they're gonna see way better results than rather than you dwelling on something that you don't have, right? It's it's good to be known for one thing in the world rather than being known for everything, right? So yes, that's that's a very important point that you brought out. Now, um I wanna ask you about your book. I don't wanna be happy. Said no one ever. Pretty unique title. Actually, I did not get the <laughs> opportunity to get the book because of this lockdown. I wanted to read this before interview, but I want to hear it from the author itself exact, as to what that book is all about.
1: Absolutely. Yes. The title was one that I settled on early in the book writing and I loved it. And I thought I've got to have it because mm-hmm. it was the time where that was becoming quite popular. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to something said no one ever. And it was, ah. it was popping up in memes everywhere. So I yeah. thought that's so perfect for <laughs> the book. So the book has an interesting story. So I started out working in the law. My career started out in the legal industry and I was there for four years. And I kept noticing that in the conversations I was having with colleagues and and peers, they were sharing how miserable they were. It seemed like a lot of the people I was interacting with Mm -hmm. at work were just not happy. And they were very vocal in how unhappy they were. And I started to think, because obviously my, my academic background was law and psychology, and because of my psychology studies, I've always been very passionate about what drives people in human behavior. Mm-hmm. And so I started to think, gosh, I wonder if the fact that they are continually telling themselves and others how unhappy they are, maybe that's contributing to how unhappy they are. So I, I started looking into some of the research for myself, and I, that point was confirmed. Mm-hmm. When I then moved from, um, from the law into a new career path, which was banking and finance, I noticed the same thing. People would continually reinforce their state of misery by telling everybody about it, not realizing that they were creating that reality for themselves. So how the book started was I, I had all this research out there on happiness and what makes people happy. And I, there's, there's a lot of research out there and it's wonderful. It's all in the realm of positive psychology. And I basically narrowed down the research into what I call five hacks Mm. Five actionable strategies or practices that you can implement. And we know from research that by doing these things, you will become happier. And the thing about happiness is that it's not something that you are. It's not an end state. It's actually something that you do. So Mm. it's a result of consistent behavior and repetition, that an action that then leads to a feeling or state of being happy, subjective well-being. Mm -hmm. So it was, that's how it started. And then I, when I was in that industry, I started running workshops at lunchtime and I just invited friends and told them to invite friends. We ended up getting over a hundred people in the room and I shared with them these five hacks, these happiness hacks, just because I wanted to really, it was, you know, I loved Uh being able to share things with people and inspire people. And I received such positive feedback and a number of people reached out and said that they had seen really positive outcomes in their lives as a result of these hacks I was sharing. And I thought, gosh, there's really something here. I want to be able to help more people. How do I do that? Well, let me collate all of this into a book. So I did. And it's been great because it's very much been a passion project. You know, I'm so passionate about happiness because happiness is the core of fulfillment, success, you know, you can be the That's most the materially successful person. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're not happy,
0: what is the point? Exactly. 100%. Now, uh, since we are on the topic of happiness, right now, you know, we are at such bad times right now. It's a, I wouldn't say bad, but a, a challenging, tough time that we all complex. are going through. Yeah, it's, Yeah, it's pretty complex. Now, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Most of people are sitting at home depressed, not knowing what exactly to do for introverted people that's fine. I mean like they've been trained to do this, right, but extroverted people let say ambiverts are not exactly sure as to how to spend their time, which actually is having an impact on their psychology and you know going towards the bad side of things. Now, what mm-hmm. can people do Now, people who are sitting at home in this environment, what can people do to make sure that they are not becoming depressed or thinking negative, and focusing on the good things. What are some practical tips that you suggest people could do?
1: I would say the very first thing to do, it's based off Stephen Covey's, uh, you know, The Habits of Highly Effective People, Seven Habits of Highly yep. Effective People. Okay. Book, great book. Yep. It's called The Circle of Influence Versus the Circle of Control. Mm-hmm. So what happens if I were to ask you to do a giant brain dump of everything in your mind, you know, you write it all down, that forms your circle of concern. Hmm. These are all the things that you are concerned about in your life. And it can range from your eating habits, whether you're exercising, bad sleep, you know, family challenges, or the global pandemic, and what's going to happen to the global economy, sure. all of those things. Within your circle of concern is a smaller circle, which is your circle of influence. These are the things that you can actually control. Uh So of everything you brain dumped, there will be a a smaller segment of things that you can control. You know, we cannot control what's going to happen with the global economy, whether we're going to be made redundant or lose our jobs, whether, you know, we can't control any of that stuff. What happens is a lot of people, especially during unprecedented uncertainty, they focus a lot on the things they cannot control. They consume a lot of the news. They are constantly reading on conspiracy theories or things that... (laughs) I uh, feel the drama. Yeah, yeah. Because it makes them feel like they have control but actually they have no control.
0: Exactly. And
1: then that leads to a greater feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. True. It's actually extremely emotionally draining as well. Mm-hmm. So what we encourage is you know, you can be concerned about them that's fine, but don't exert energy in worrying about them. They can yep. be in your mind that's okay. That shows that you've got social awareness, you know what's happening. True. You really want to keep your attention on what's in your circle of influence. What can you influence? What can you control? And of those things, how can you make little positive tweaks to mm. them? So here's an example. Let's say within your circle of control is how you feel when you wake up in the morning. You know, because apparently yeah. you're waking up in the morning and you're feeling tired, 100%. bad night, sleep, all of these things. Yeah. You have some choices you can make. What's the first thing you're looking at? Are you looking at the news? Are you looking at social media? Are you reinforcing this negativity? Because they say yeah. the first couple of days when you wake up shapes your entire day. So miss- you can actually make a choice. I'm not going to pick up my phone. And when I wake up, instead, I'm going to think about three things that I'm grateful for. Because we know that gratitude activates part of the parts of the brain. You release fantastic, happy hormones, makes you feel much more centered and does all sorts of other amazing things. It also yeah. frames up the rest of your day so you can find more things to be grateful for. So that's one way of tapping into the circle of control and changing the way that you're experiencing your day. The second thing I would say is think about how you can bring some certainty back to the uncertainty. So it's extremely uncertain right now. The whole world is indoors, you know, staying safe, doing what we can. We don't know what's going to happen, but that doesn't mean that we can't still achieve goals. That doesn't mean we can't still have a schedule. We can't still work towards something. So I, you know, I spent many years as a corporate strategy consultant and what we do with companies is we take them through a a 90 day strategic plan, which is basically, okay, at the end of the quarter, what are the three big goals that you want to achieve your strategic goals? Then every month, you know, first 30 days, what do you want to achieve next 30 days? What do you want to achieve moving towards that? And these can be little goals. Like I want to drink more water or, I want to learn a new skill or I want to reconnect with someone that I haven't been connected with. And you break it down, chunk it up like that, because when you can have smaller goals to achieve that lead into bigger goals, what happens is, and this is going into the science of motivation, when you can achieve something small, you get a shot of dopamine. Now, dopamine is a happy hormone, but actually more than that, it's the motivation drug. It -hmm. it, it triggers the reward pathways in the brain, makes you want to keep going. So you need to have these little triggers that go, yes, great, I'm moving towards it. And what people find is when they're indoors, they're not getting that Mm. because everything's kind of come to a standstill They're not going to the gym anymore with their friends. They don't get that shot of dopamine. So a really simple way is make a little monthly plan or quarterly plan, whatever it is. What do you want to achieve? They can be big, they can be tiny, that's okay. And what's something you can do every week or every day that helps you get closer to that so you can enjoy the dopamine and actually have the motivation to achieve it.
0: Makes sense. Now, um, what you've said, no, I believe is exactly the key. If you can understand what you can control, right? If people get a hang of it, I believe for the rest of their lives, they're going to be sorted because then people are not going to be worried about what others, others have to say or what he has to say, what she has to say. Because once you know that your life is in your control, and the response that you're gonna give is in your hands again, right? You choose your response, end of the day, two situations. Either you could, you know, it could be a good response or a bad response, but end of the day, the response comes from your side, right? So very, very important and crucial information. Now, I wanna talk about uh, uh, the exact pandemic event, this this, uh, event, because of this event, right? A lot of people have lost their jobs and a lot of business owners as well, right? Uh, to whom basically we look up to, or let's say we, we are working at a company. Now uh, they have started to fire people, which at this point of time are exactly is not, that's that's my opinion, but something that people shouldn't be doing, right? But what do you think, uh, Sade, as to uh, what can business leaders do at this time so that we as a community come stronger, right? Rather than uh, pushing people out as soon as you know, there is some problem in the, uh, in the boat.
1: Yeah, it's such an important point to be talking about as mm-hmm. well because businesses are under so much pressure yep. in terms of financial performance and being able to keep paying people. and exactly, It's heartbreaking when people lose their jobs and then when businesses go under. I think first and foremost, it's so important for business leaders to acknowledge that it's not business as usual anymore it's business as unusual. Yeah. And I, I put a little uh, I put a video on LinkedIn about this yeah. and received an overwhelming response. It was amazing. Was so people oh thank you. <laughs> but it just shows that people recognize that which sure. is great because that's what you want. So it's about business leaders recognizing that this is a completely different environment. This is not just your team at home working from home. This is unprecedented. People haven't experienced this before because it's yep. confounded by you know isolation from everything restrictions on on movement uncertainty about the future and you know all of this can lead to a huge amount of overwhelm for the individual so if business leaders can just be really transparent about the fact that they don't have all the answers and they are they're working with you to try and find solutions to Mm -hmm. be very solution focused basically just acknowledge that it's different we're going to work through it we'll figure it out together and if the reality is look you know, we don't know if the business will be here in a month, so we we can't hmm. guarantee your roles, then maybe just be transparent about exactly. that too, obviously in a very tactful and respectful way. Yeah. And find ways to support and help people. But I think that's absolutely first and foremost. Just be honest. The the second one would be communication. Hmm. While people are isolated socially and working from home. People are going to feel a drop in engagement, which naturally happens. We're social creatures. And, yep. you know, when you think about it, the workplace is almost like the last remnants of community that we have. Mm-hmm. So being really open with communication and creating a, an environment of candor where your team, your employees can come to you if they have challenges and problems and, you know, they can raise issues and then yep. you work through them together. That's really important. And then thirdly, compassion. Mm. compassion is so important and this is self-compassion so the leader having compassion on themselves a lot of leaders have never led through this time before not only is it challenging for employees but actually for leaders too. being really self-compassionate and acknowledging that hey I don't have all the answers that's okay I'll figure it out but also having compassion towards the team they haven't done this they haven't been here before they're figuring it out demonstrate that compassion create a culture of compassion where everyone cares about each other offers support Mm. And then I really believe that if, if everyone can do that, that we'll be able to create work environments where everyone comes out stronger and more resilient as a result.
0: Makes sense. Perfect. Uh, I want to ask you a question here, Shadi. Uh, I'm sure that you read books. By the, by the, by the way you're sounding, right? I'm, I'm pretty confident that you definitely read a lot of books. I want to ask you, which, are your, which is basically one, like let's say your favorite book, the most favorite book that you've read so far?
1: Oh gosh. I, I, uh, am not going to be able to answer the question cause I have too many in there. Yeah. I think books are like music. So, mm-hmm. you know, with music, you have different music for different moods that you're True. in. True, I, I feel like books are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So I, there's lots, I mean, you know, growth mindset, Carol work is brilliant. Um, yeah. you know, Daniel Kahneman has some amazing, amazing resources as well. I actually, so books are one thing, but I really enjoy reading Harvard business review mm-hmm. articles. Yeah and because i find that they often look at the most recent research that is done as well mm. so i often will balance my book reading with actually what's happening mm. in the research what are people saying there's actually some amazing harvard business review articles specifically okay. on the pandemic and how leaders mm. can lead better during this time how you can manage your resilience and your emotional state
0: mm-hmm. so
1: i yeah i generally find that my preference is more to go towards the short form articles because yeah. they really like summaries me. yeah yeah, almost. And, and they also have a really unique perspective because they may bring together different pieces of research or mm-hmm. insights in a unique and novel way. So I like to read them and then myself bring in different pieces and be able to include that in my talks and when I'm coaching sense. as well.
0: Makes sense. Perfect.
1: Yeah. What's your favorite book?
0: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So I'm also pretty much into psychology and I love reading books on psychology. So if you ask me, uh, Simple Lies, Vital Throats, I don't know if you, have, have you oh. read that book.
1: I haven't. I haven't even heard of it. I'll have to I mean, have I, a look.
0: You, you'll love that book. I mean, you should definitely get it. It's by Daniel Coleman. Uh, he's the same author who's written Emotional Intelligence. So, oh, brilliant. Yeah. That, have you read Emotional Intelligence?
1: I haven't, but I've heard about that's,
0: it. A, that's a book. Yeah. So uh, give it a shot. I'm sure you're going to definitely love it because since you're talking about neural pathways and you know, uh, neurology, that book totally deals with that and the psychocybernetics so that's again a book that i i loved right now since we're coming to uh, you know to an end of the interview i want to ask you this is a question that i ask almost every guest on the podcast right now let's imagine that uh, 20 years 30 years from now right uh, you you have kids and now you're 60, 70 years old. You've, you've done everything you wanted with your life. You've inspired people. You've written books. Uh, you've had a shift in people's perspectives. You've helped organizations, women in specific, right? You've done every single thing that you wanted to do. But now it's time for you to move on, right, from this world. Now, you could give two advices to your kids, just two. It could be anything, personal, professional, but two advices. What those two advice are going to be. Wow,
1: what a, what a heavy question. But what a beautiful question to end on. Ah, thank you. Oh, okay. I would say my first piece of advice would be you have innate strengths and talents and gifts within you. And if you don't find a way to share them with the world, then what's the point of even having them? So back yourself, have confidence and find a way to leverage those to actually bring joy to the people around you and do something positive.
0: That mm-hmm. would be
1: my first one. My second piece of advice would be that life is not just about you. And this is relevant for kids because you mm-hmm. know I know they get very much in their heads. Life is not just about you. Life is about the legacy that you leave. It's about the positive impact that you have on the people around you, on every single person that you interact with. So be really intentional about what you want that legacy to be because life is this beautiful thing that we have. We only have one opportunity to live it. And if we can all have that mindset of, you know, how can I be of greater service to the people around me and bring about a greater level of unity? Imagine what kind of a world we will live in then.
0: 100%. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, Shadar, thank you so much. You know, uh, the wisdom, the knowledge, the things that you've shared with people, I'm sure this would benefit a lot of people and, uh, you know, Uh, Thank you again for for being on the Growth Mindset Podcast. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so
1: much. I had a lot of fun. I feel like we could talk for days.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, seriously.